Hello and welcome to the Radical News Radio Hour with Serene Saadet. You're listening to WFNU LP St. Paul Frogtown Community Radio 94.1 FM. On this show, we do news and we talk about social movements and community organizing across the Twin Cities. Today, we're talking with Kevin Reese, the executive director and founder of Until We Are All Free. We're going to jump right in to the interview with Kevin. And just to note, you can check out our show notes online for more information on some of the things that Kevin mentions during today's episode. My name is Kevin Reese. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am the founder and executive director of Until We Are All Free. And my background in movement building and organizing comes from my framework around um, my care for humanity and my, you know, I'm deeply rooted in family, so I knew how to love other humans because I had such a big family that I loved. And my trajectory through movement is the soil, VRJ. I learned everything that I know about organizational development and community organizing from my time being a part of the soil with VRJ, still a proud alumni. I love that. I graduated from Voices way back when it was the Organizing Apprenticeship Project, so God knows I have deep love for that organization. I wouldn't, I would not be talking with you right now if it wasn't for them. Me too. Me too. So I would love to hear more about Until We Are All Free. What is the organization? What's your purpose? And what does that mean, Until We Are All Free? Until We Are All Free is an organization that developed during that time while I was organizing in prison. Um, I actually, the first place I ever read the sentiment until we are all free is in James Baldwin, um book, The Fire This Time, and his next, in his letter to his nephew, The Fire Next Time, I should say, in the letter to his nephew, you know, he ends this powerful letter with the sentiment, you know, can none of us be free until we are all free. Thank you, God bless, and Godspeed. Um, I read that in my cell, cell 61. I was in Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility. And I remember dropping the book, and I took that with me. It's been with me every day, understanding that the thing that I was fighting for wasn't an individual fight. I was fighting for something collective. And shout out to um, Salvador Miranda, who formerly the you know the um, training director at OAP, um, was the first lesson that he taught me when I began doing this thing, community organizing. Kevin, you will not be remembered by be free yourself. It would be like the, the leadership that you develop around you and the other souls that you help to be able to get free. So it was something that was always near and dear to me. Um, and this organization is, we are aimed around ending mass incarceration. Mass incarceration is a particular inhumane thing that happened to me. So this is something that's near and dear to me. And it's not just a term. Mass incarceration is something that happened to me and my friends and a whole entire generation of people that I feel connected to their energies and their spirits. And there is no place for that humanity to grow. So until we are all free, I wanted to create something that was a landing spot, a place, and a launching pad. Because I believe that the dreams of those who have been impacted by mass incarceration are the missing dreams in the community, in the world. Those dreams are missing. That's why we feel like we have an incomplete world, because we have so many dreams that's missing. I think that idea of missing dreams in an incomplete world is something that's going to stay with me. Um, 
for a really, really long time. As as you might know, I have roots in Jordan, but also in Palestine, and I and I think a lot about abolition being this thing that ties all of us together. Yes. Um, so let's maybe talk about specifics. Um, what kind of work does Until We Are All Free do? Like what kind of organizing are you doing on the ground? Who are you working with? And then let's talk about the task force that the state legislature just passed last week. Absolutely. So first thing Until We Are All Free doing is I, I we are all about creating non-traditional roles. And when I say non-traditional roles, I'm talking about roles in community that don't exist. We have teachers, firefighters, police officers, judges, lawyers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But there are no necessarily roles that is committed to the soil, that is committed to working with humans to help humans navigate through this. Unfortunately, it's a sickness, an illness that we all have in America been impacted by, actually around the world. But in America, we feel it most white supremacy. Right, white supremacy is something that has impacted us all. So we live in this world where we always be like, ah, oh, you can feel the thing that's missing. You encounter something, it's like it's never enough time to do it, or we never have enough space to do it because organizing it so it's meant for us to burn out. So we are creating non-traditional roles to stand in those gaps in community to help us make it to safer passage. So one of the things that's near and dear to me this year. Until we are all free, we put in four part in the commutation applications for friends of mine, folks that I know that's currently incarcerated in Minnesota correctional facilities. Some of them were over sentenced, some of them were innocent. And they've been, all of them have been in prison over a decade, and it took over a decade for them to tell their story and for them to have a chance to act for their justice. Really important to me. The next thing, this is something that we're developing right now and we're, we're still striving to get the resources to fully do this program because this program is so near and dear to me and I want it to be done and it has to be done right. It's our, our internal investment program. Now, our internal investment program is nothing new. It's straight out of the playbook of my time doing prison justice organizing our voices for racial justice. I can't say it enough. It's not the one all be all answer but me sitting here home being home close to two years now me sitting here at home i know how much that changed my life so the internal investment program is saying that we need to identify leadership from man and woman not when they come home but we need to start investing in our loved ones while they are currently incarcerated we need to start giving space for those dreams not when they come home, but now. So we're going to have a whole entire program where we do a, a, um, a cohort style where over a year they will go through this program and they will have a chance to be invested in, they will get information, they will get books, they will have an opportunity to produce a project. And on the back end of that, we will have an external investment program when they come home. We will have, um, I don't want to talk too much about specifics and protection of our loved ones, but we will have a kit for them, a launching pot, a launching stop for them when they come home and have a chance for their dreams to actually be true. The next thing, they have this opportunity to be connected to community members, 
not community in this abstract term, like just oh, community. No, I'm talking the community members. And they're going to have this chance to have their first three months, but they're going to have 50 one-to-ones with key community members that's in the lane in which they want to pursue. I know for sure how much every time I met a new person, it made my world get bigger. Also, our ambassador program. Our ambassador program is these folks will go out into the world and be the change that they want to see. And it would be a great honor if they could be similar how I am a proud alumni of Voices for Racial Justice. It would be great to have a generation of people who are proud alumni of Until We Are All Free. And I hope someone that comes through Until We Are All Free be the U.S. president one day. So that's pretty much what we're building here on the ground. And then not to mention, we give welcome home kits to our folks when they come home. A welcome home kit is the stuff that they need, the necessities, you know, if, if someone is in a halfway house or if they are on work release or just getting home. When someone comes home from prison, they're like a newborn baby. And we pretty much help them with that original kit to help them, you know, get to their, 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 get to their next step. And me, because I'm so closely connected to mass incarceration, a huge part of Until We Are Free is reactionary. I, um, I have to respond to the day-to-day needs of our incarcerated loved ones and their families. So there's a whole lot of what Until We Are Free does. It's very, it's related, it's based off the needs of community. So that could be anything, any day. Thank you for that. So, first of all, that work sounds amazing. I would love to know more about the task force that passed through the state legislature recently. Um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure of the details, but if you want to talk a little bit about what that means and what we can expect from that, and just your thoughts on on the task force itself as a you know newly formed body. Um, so this task force is around felony murder. Felony murder is something that's near and dear to me because that's what I went to prison for. I went to prison for 22 and a half years for felony murder. And felony murder is saying this is a crime that took place during another crime, right? Um, it's horrible. It was something that came out in the 1994 Crime Bill Act. Um, and if you ask me, it was meant to, not, not if you ask me, no. What it was meant to do was cast, was cast a wide net in our community for them to be able to lock up as many of us as possible. The younger, the better. So there is a whole entire generation of men and women across this country who is currently incarcerated for felony murder. And felony murder means that they didn't pull the trigger. They wasn't the person that necessarily did it. It just said that they was privy to it and they are in prison for murder. They never murdered no one. And for felony murder, the penalty is life. Right, they it's considered first degree murder. The penalty is life. So shout out to the whole entire felony murder law um, reform coalition, Tony Kater, and the amazing work that she does. She's a woman whose daughter is in Shakopee Prison right now for felony murder, along with all of the other sisters who are in Shakopee for felony murder. Um, I did time in Minnesota Correctional in the man's Minnesota Correctional Facility. One of the things that was so has broken my heart so bad when I came home and I was able to like be in community when I realized how many women was currently in Shakopee 
for felony murder. These are mothers. These are sisters. These are wives. These are, like, we all know how much the woman means to our community. And it's a tragedy when a man go to prison. It's a tragedy. Absolutely. But I'm here to say it's a, like another level of tragedy when you send a mother to prison for life, a 20-something-year-old mother to prison for life who have kids and they're sitting in Minnesota correctional facilities with life. So the task force is our way. It's just us chipping at it, us chipping at We want to abolish felony murder across this country, starting here with Minnesota. So the task force is just another step forward as we continue to chip away at that. Internally, we are working on making sure that this task force has actual teeth so it, it won't be just another paper position or a paper task force. No, this task force needs to be connected to actual the actual ability to move things through the capital. Again, because felony murder is attached to real bodies of Minnesotans who are in Minnesota correctional facilities, and we need to take a further examination for the length of time that they are being sentenced and for the actual thoughts of sending people to prison for murder, for murder that they are admittedly saying, the courts are saying, oh, we know you didn't do the murder, but we have this thing via paperwork that can tie you to the murder. It sucks. And the task force is just another step forward for the, the body that would do the, the ongoing work to actually bring this thing home to abolition, to abolishing it. Maybe just to clarify, who's going to be serving on the task force? Will somebody from Until We Are All Free be on that task force? Internally, we are working to make sure that this thing has teeth. Until We Are All Free is in the conversation, we are at the table, and internally we're going to um, figure out what is best for this actual task force. But we absolutely will be there at the table as each decision is made. Thank you for that. So what other issues are you know are you thinking about what other issues are intersecting with the work that you're doing right now one of the bigger issues is i want to go back to this is the the we need non-traditional roles so one of the issues that i'm continuing to run into is just the whole idea of the law period right so when, you, when I think of the law, I think of words on paper written by white men, by this country that was designed for, created for, meant to be ruled by white men. They also created this thing that they call law. And these are just words that get to interpret humans' behavior. And then they get to say, because of this word and your behavior, we get to come and take ownership of your body. So the whole idea of words by white men who we know, the History, right? The words by these same brutal savages who kidnapped, murdered, raped, extorted, exterminated people. These same people made these laws. And in these laws, they, with their language, with their great English language, right, they get to interpret over black and brown bodies and take their bodies back off into plantations. So, one of the issues that we are aiming at is I want to just go straight to the root. I want to strike at the root, the actual law, the way that the law has power over the citizens. We need to change. And there's a lot of pushback in the world for these non-traditional roles to exist. 
because in order for us to actually end it, we are going to need roles that is not a part of this framework. All of the roles, not all, but most of the roles that we have in America right now is attached to the machine. They are all functionary roles that was created to keep the system perpetuating, to keep this great American thing perpetuating, all the way down to the nonprofit industrial complex. A lot of those things are it's so restrictive. It's all designed for us to kind of keep this harmony of abuse. And until we are all free, we are creating all non-traditional roles that is pushing back on this very idea of society, right? How we should live in community and how we should live in society. So um, um, one of the bigger issues has been non-traditional roles. Hold on. No, we have all of the roles. And we like, no, we don't. Actually, we don't because we're here talking, right? There are black mothers crying. There are black sons in prison. No, we don't have all of the roles. We need people to stand in those gaps. And also, there are so many folks in community who are geniuses, who are amazing village makers and community builders. But guess what? There is no place for them for that natural talent, gift that they have to be a part of society because society says there's no place for them. And until we all free, want to create roles where everyone in community can see a place for them at the, at the human family table, and not only a place for them, but a place where they are valued, and we cannot get to our future without them. All of the, all of the other issues that's happening, I see them as all issues that is just continuing to perpetuate this cycle, and I'm not surprised by none of them because the system was designed for all of them to continue to take place. So until we strike at the root, we're going to continue to, like, go around the merry-go-round. Absolutely. Seriously. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so what I, I ask this next question as somebody who doesn't generally put together a five-year plan, especially, you know, in my own work because things are always unfolding. But when you think about the future of until we are all free, what does the future organizing look like? What does a year from look, year a year from now look like? What does eight, five years from now look like? Well, absolutely. Um, thanks for the question. A year from now, I want to have a fully funded operate um, organization because um, what needs to happen? We, we need people, and I want people to be paid in order to actually do this work back to create non-traditional roles. I am building a budget that has all non-traditional roles. So a year from now, I want to have an organization that is fully funded so I can have a team of people that's working around me so we can, like, fully put the flag here in this city down, here in this state, you know, in the Twin Cities, in the greater Minnesota, to fully put our flag down. So my year plan is to have a fully funded organization so we can be on full go. And in five years, we're going to be traveling around the country helping other organizations be fully funded so they can be doing work around until we all create the same work framework. There are there's some person in prison in this country right now, similar to me, who's been in prison since they was a teenager, and they may be in their 30s now. Those folks are brilliant. Take me to any prison across this country. And you talk to the folks who've been in there since they was young, and they got those long sentences, and they're all adults now. And if you talk to them now, these men and these women 
what they wish that they can do back in their community is extraordinary. So I want to travel around the country, and I want to um, partner with others, nonprofits and community and movements in other cities, and I want to give us, give them this framework to identify leadership that is inside of the correctional facilities that's in their region and their state, and I want them to begin giving power to those incarcerated leaders who's incarcerated, give them power while they're incarcerated, internally invest in them, and then on the back end when they come into community, have a launching pad for them so they can build right there in the community where they was taken from, and their task will be to continue to do it, right, to continue to leave the door open for folks coming behind them. In five years, we will be traveling the country, building these everywhere. Thank you. So what can people like myself do to support the work of your organization? But also, what can we do to support incarcerated men and women who, you know, as you said, need community, real community, people on the ground that they can name? Well, first thing, our incarcerated loved ones can never have enough support. Hey, look someone up, write someone, reach out to someone, send them books, send them letters, correspond with them, ask them about their dreams and their why. Not only ask them, but be willing to move, but be willing to move to help to support them. So until we are all free, actually urges everyone, if you have an incarcerated loved one or a loved one who has an incarcerated loved one, reach out and begin to be a bridge for them. That's the, that's what everyone can do. And also continue to keep the fight out here on the ground. And remember that reform work is literally a perpetuating term that's asking us to say, well, stop killing us on Tuesdays. Could you kill us on Wednesdays now? That's how I hear reform work, right? Um, so keep the fight, keep pushing. And everyone else, I just said, until we all free, is not a fully funded organization yet. There's a huge part of me, hey, I just started doing this thing. I jumped out on faith and started this organization and operated in this organization. But in order for us to be as effective as we would like to be, we need the resources and the people to do it. And until we have that, we won't be able to be as effective as we would like to be. So support until we all free as we continue to fundraise so we can build this organization from the ground up. You can find our link to donate on our website at uwaaf.com. You can go on there. There's a donate link. Go on there and support our movement. Hey, I'm just a Twin Cities guy getting it out of the mud. Support this organization because um, the system was designed for it not to exist. I am the founder of this organization. I just did 14 and a half years in Minnesota correctional facilities from the ages of 18 to 32. I've been home less than two years. Two years ago, this organization did not exist in the city. And whatever we've done and the impact that we've made in the city now has been all things that didn't exist. It was not supposed to exist. If it was left to the system, I would still be in prison. Um, so support this thing that does not exist. And in order for it to exist, the system is not going to do it. A lot of the large corporations and foundations is not going to do it. It's going to take humans and communities. So support us. Is there anything else you want anybody to know about until we are all free, about abolition, about the future of the work that you do, um, about the fight that you're part of? 
Is there anything else you want people to know? Yes. Well, two things. First thing, folks can go get my book. It's at Luckily Fish Don't Need Raincoats by Kevin L. Reese. You can find it on barnesandnobles.com. Go support my book. It just came out a week or so ago. I will be doing a reading, official like launch a reading in the city later on this month. Details is coming soon. Everybody stay tuned. But again, go get the book. It's a, my, a collection of poetry. These poems are really near and dear to me. A huge part of my organizing when I became an organizer, I also realized I was an artist. So to me, organizing and art is one and the same. So go out and support the book. Luckily, Fish Don't Need Raincoats by Kevin L. Reese. You can find it on Barnes & Nobles. And stay tuned. The book reading will be coming later this month. We'd love to see you all there. The next thing with abolition work, I say the people are better at humanity than the current ruling class. So when we say abolition, we're not talking about this anarchy world that's full of brimstone and fire. No, we are saying that we believe we are better de-escalators than them. We believe our, our, our concept on restorative justice and restorative harm is better than them. Just our framework on building community is better than them. So when you think of abolition, don't think of like World War Three, the end of the world. Think of a new world. This current system is working just the way it's supposed to work. It was designed this way. This country was built on the back of murder and slavery. So like any other seed, it was planted as that seed, and the, the fruit that it bears still tastes like that. So we have to be bold enough to know, hey, at some point, we may have to rewrite the Constitution. You hear me? Because this Constitution was not written with us in mind. And it's scary for some because they've had the privilege and the comfortability and the protection under this Constitution. So if you're scared of it, hey, I understand. I would be scared, too, if you're asking me to give up everything that I thought I knew. And I'm telling you, your forefathers were murderers and crooks. And according to U.S. law, every time you still subscribe to whiteness, you're kind of complicit in that crime. Well, no, 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 let me go back. Not kind of. You are complicit in that crime. The people are telling you, history has told you, it is fact that the founders of this country are murderers and crooks. So every time you transcribe to whiteness, you are complicit in that crime. And for us that know, we know we have to actually change the entire framework of this beautiful land that we live in. Thanks to Kevin for joining us on air for that interview. Just a reminder that you can check out the Radical News Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Just a couple of notes. Remember, you can find our website at journalismofcolor.com. Our podcasts are wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll have a transcription for this episode up as soon as we can. Thank you for tuning in today. As you leave, just a reminder, you're listening to WFNU LP St. Paul Frogtown Community Radio 94.1 FM. This is the Radical News Radio Hour, and I'm your host, Serene Saadeh.